Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms. Sorry, I had to breathe there. <laughs> iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo. The list is too long to, to go on, so... Uh, we are proud that we are voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Dr. Liz, uh, with only 3,500 practicing geriatricians, did I say that word right? Geriatricians, yeah. Serving more than 59 million people over 65 in the United States, Dr. Liz feels a sacred duty to the to educate elders and those tasked to care for elders. She is an education and advisory organization providing effective, interesting, and sometimes entertaining educational knowledge and telehealth help to those on the front line caring for elders. But before we get started, I want to thank last week's guest, Judy Bailoff. She's had seven careers. She started as a nurse and ended up as a financial advisor. And how she got there was through her open heart surgery and five strokes where her oldest daughter and husband were her caretakers for her recovery. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one, on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or all of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, and YouTube, etc. Okay, enough of that. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Well, thank you, Dave. This is, uh, this is very exciting for me, too. Oh, good. Glad we're both excited. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests, just who is Dr. Liz and why was she placed on this earth? Oh, that's pretty metaphysical. Um, I think it was all an accident that I'm here, but now that I'm here, um, I no accidents. (laughs) um, So, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. And then um, I was in medicine for 10 years doing primary care. And then I got more interested in the challenges of taking care of older people. I went back to, um, I'd done my residency at Harvard. I went back to Mount Sinai in New York City, did a fellowship in geriatrics. And then I taught at UCSF as assistant professor of medicine. And I found that really pretty interesting. But what I was really interested about, um, my mom had frontal dementia in her 60s. Mm. And that was pretty awful. And that's early. That is really young. That's, That's getting younger every year, as far as I'm concerned. And I didn't really understand it. So I wanted to learn more. And I got some good training at Mount Sinai. And then I worked with a number of folks with dementia and mental illness uh, at UCSF. And then I realized I'm more interested in the community, you know, and I started uh, with a hospice. I've been boarded in internal medicine, geriatrics, palliative care. I've been a hospice medical director. I've been a consultant to the Elder Abuse Forensic Center in San Francisco. So I've done a lot of things. And 
what I really find fascinating is the folks where no one's been able to fix them in four or five years, that they're often really either angry or paranoid or people can't take care of them, or there's been strange things going on, but they look good enough and their mini mental status exam is you know over 24, so no one's going to call it dementia, or there's financial elder abuse, or you know there's just too many doctors and like 40 medications. And so for me, it's my form of Sudoku. And it's just, it's been wonderful. It's what I've been, uh, what I've done with my career for the last 18 years. I, it's, it's been a booming business. I'm, um, it's been really interesting, but I really don't like to drive. So I'm pivoting and I'm going to be, I'm working more online. Um, I have developed my website, Dr. Liz Geriatrics. It's got a lot of good information. It's got blogs, it's got videos. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I am not nearly as prolific as you are. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, you know, kind of having that presence, but I have my little presence. And so oh, wow. I have, we're working on training modules to give educational units to elder care professionals, but families can, you know, uh, also do the training online. Um, we have telehealth where people uh, can either have a video visit with a geriatrician, a gerontologist, a care manager, or a dementia coach. Um, so we're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested now in what can I do to get good information out to the rest of the country? As you said, there's only 3,500 practicing geriatricians. Um, I also wanted to have good information for free. So that's what my my website is. And my people come from like northern Minnesota and rural Nebraska. And, you know, I had a friend whose um, grandson abused her, um, got the title to her house um, when she got lung cancer, didn't treat her, but got an insurance policy on her. And no one, uh. you know, in the small town helped my friend. Uh, until, you know, she got really sick and ended up in the hospital. And then my friend went out there and said, mom, you're coming out. She didn't want to come out earlier. And they blame my friend for not doing something sooner. So I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get information out, you know, to the areas where they don't have many doctors, where they don't have geriatricians, where they don't have many doctors. And, you know, families are just really struggling, you know, like, like we did before. Well, I kind of had an idea what to do, but it took me a while to convince my mom's doctors of a better way to address things and, you know, being gentle about it. So that's why I do what I do. Well, I'm no stranger to dementia. My mother had it. My mother-in-law had it. And each one is so different. My mother was just a lovable little teddy bear. Everybody loved her. My mother-in-law, on the other hand, and this isn't just because she's my mother-in-law, but she was a witch. You know, she just uh -huh. was paranoid. She questioned people stealing from her. She didn't trust me. She thought I was trying to take away her house. And, you know, just it was just awful. And they say it's genetic. I don't know if you worry about uh, with your mother having dementia at an early age that you might also uh, run down that road. I certainly am. So mm -hmm. I, I found this ad on Facebook where I can get these tests, free study, free dementia, pre-dementia. Pre and so every six months I go and they give me the test, you know. Uh, uh, what's your name? Where do you live? Uh, what state is it? Who's the president? I Come backwards from 100 and in increments of right. seven, et cetera. And uh, luckily I'm, I'm, uh, I passed barely, but I passed. <laughs> well, I, I, I hear you there. And, 
Yeah, the, the dementia thing is a concern of mine. Um, I did a lot of investigation. There's some information in my book about how to stay healthier. Mm. Um, basically, it's really simple to have a mainly vegetarian diet. Mm. Um, animal uh, fats, saturated fats aren't great for you. I mean, I haven't given up. I mean, I'll have a steak a couple times a year, but I'll have fish, a lot more. Fish is okay, chicken? Uh, fish is better. Chicken's mm, all, not great. Um, the, a good source of uh, studies and information is the Sure's Eyes. They've, they have got all the studies, and they're vegan. Uh, I'm not going to do vegan, yeah. but, you know, and 30 minutes of exercise every day. So making time for yourself and keeping physically active, controlling your blood pressure, your blood sugar, um, making sure you're not obese, not smoking, and sorry, but uh, cutting down how much alcohol you have, just having it once or twice a week or none. Um, Reservatrol does not prevent dementia. I'm such a killjoy. But if you do those, you can cut down your risk of dementia by over 50%. So well, I have, that is I have very impressive. little vices, so I'm in good shape. Cool. Great. I, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, if you don't have to pay for that testing, I think that's okay. That's all free. I, I, yeah, wonderful. I take more of a Buddhist kind of approach that, you know, I don't think you'd be able to run your business. That's going to get you before this little test is going to get you. But, you know, if it makes you feel better, that's great. <laughs> um, I think, you know, just keeping your body, you know what I've, you know, you know what I found being over fifty. What I'm um, getting these chicken waddles. You know, my muscles are not. I've, I've got more you fat. I mean, out, you know, this, you know? tell me when this is TMI. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've got more no, fat. My wife my, talks about the same thing. And my muscles are shrinking. And so, what's really important? I mean, weightlifting would be good. I don't like to weightlift, but like I just went for an eight mile hike up and down Mount Hood. Um, wow. I, you know, I. Just keep active and do the stuff you like and be very involved. That's that's my advice. Uh, be connected to the people that are important to you and uh, do the things that are important to you. Um, that That is my recipe. And that's, you know, that's well, what I'm doing for myself. Let me share with you my frustrations with my dementia patients. They're both dead now. Okay. Um, but while they are alive, you know, they were a big source of stress because doctors didn't cooperate, you know. I could not get either one of them to diagnose the patient with dementia mm-hmm. because, uh, well, I'm sure she has some form of dementia. I says, well, I need a diagnosis in order to qualify for this and that. Right. Well, you know, it's hard to do that and we don't want to do that. And and it's like they were trying to protect themselves from a lawsuit or something. And both of my parents the, and the, the, uh, the mother-in-law, they needed to get out of this house. They needed to be in a facility mm-hmm. because, they, you know, they almost burned the house down. And, and uh, you know, they were paranoid. They call in the police every night. Somebody broke in and stole my stuff. And then the next day they, they broke in and they put it back over here. I didn't put it there, you know, <laughs> just driving us crazy. You know, uh, she All even right. got a hold of a locksmith, changed the locks like five times before <laughs> I took the phone away from her and says, you can't do this. <laughs> Got a video so system sounds to, like, to prove to her yeah, that nobody mother- came in the house. Look at, see, nobody. <laughs> you were, in fact, you were there. But it doesn't, the okay. logic doesn't work with them, does it? You know what? This 
This is fabulous. Part of yes. the conspiracy. Your 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 mother in law is my people. Those are the ones I take care of. I wish I, I knew you at that one. time. Well, um, so uh, there's the the different kinds of dementia. Just really briefly, is there's Alzheimer's, which is the most common. That's the deposition of the plaques and tangles. And by the way, that antibody stuff that takes out the amyloid. There are no studies that show that it makes the people better. I think there's a process going on, kind of like either Lyme or COVID, where you have the inflammation and the amyloid is something you find after. Uh, so taking it out is like, you know, um, taking out the garbage after you've burned dinner. You know, it's the burned dinner that's the problem. It's not the, not the, the garbage that's left over. Um, and that uh, people tend to be a little bit fuzzier. You know, they get less um, emotionally connected to people. They're less interested in their activities. They're likely to forget their bills and um, yeah. appointments and those sorts of things, take their medications. Vascular dementia is harder. That is more often with um, obesity, uh, diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, anything that's increased risk of heart attack and stroke. Um, and that you get more selective deficits. Short-term memory can be, be gone, but in, in the moment they can sound fine. I've had a number of people where you know, let alone the mini mental status test where they say, if it's over 24, you don't have dementia. Well, that's not exactly true. They might ace that. You can do a neuropsych testing. If you put it on paper, they can figure it out. But if you ask them what they did the, the next day about that testing, they're like, oh, I don't know. I didn't have any testing. So it's, it's, it's several components and particularly if someone sounds okay, like, like the vascular dementia are the ones that are more likely to say, you're stealing from me. You want to take control of everything. I'm not going to that day program. I'm not like those crazy people. I'm fine. You're crazy. Leave me alone. I'm fine. You're my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so those are the people I work with. And what you need to do there is, and I hear you. I mean, you know, there's, there's medical groups that just refuse to do any um, uh, cognitive assessment or dementia assessment. And then, then there's other places where they do just the mini mental status exam. I've got a um, blog post of uh, Trump got a perfect score on dementia test. Too bad it's not the right test. And it's not a partisan thing at all. I just, it's like the Betty Ford and breast cancer. It's like people have heard of Trump talking about, you know, man, woman TV. So I was like, okay, let's talk about it. the same testing ain't me though. Well, it is. I mean, it's like, meh. And, and the thing is that it's, it's helpful to have um helpful to have a good score but there's changes you can have in your brain like if you had an injury to just right above your eye called the temporal orbital um you can look completely normal except for and they've done mris so they know that this is a thing um you've lost your risk assessment so you're very much at risk for being uh financially abused because you can't see it coming and there's a different test called the iowa gambler's task where they, you know, they show you losing a couple of times, like, you know, at the casino. And most people will be like, oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. But people who've lost their risk assessment keep doing it. And so, you know, that's been quantified and, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of times that medications can make people look more nasty and they really aren't. And that's the one that just, you know, hurts my heart in that, you know, often if people are anxious or irritable or nasty, they give them a little Xanax or Ativan to kind of chill them out. Um, but the problem is it's like giving them shots of vodka 
And, you know, if you use it once or twice a month, well, that's probably okay. But often they say, you know, give it several times a day if needed. So, you know, if they're a little antsy in the afternoon, you give it one day, you might give it a couple of days later, but then they start withdrawing from it if you've done that for a couple of weeks. And then they're like, oh, oh they're, they're getting worse. We better give it every day. And then it's like, you know, they get tolerant to it and they get more agitated. So then they up it to several times a day. Then they up the dose. And, you know, there's times when I've had, I've had to take care of people who've been on like eight milligrams of Ativan, which is a huge dose. I mean, I, if I have to have someone go in for a procedure, I'll try and give them a half a milligram, you know, once or twice a day for a couple of days and then tapered off. So we doctors just, we don't see it. Um, there's, there's seizure pills, Keppra that can make people nasty and angry. There are even antidepressants, uh, Prozac, Paxil. This is all on my website, drlizgeriatrics.com slash medications. Um, so Paxil. So it can mimic Cymbalta, symptoms of dementia. Is that what you're saying? They can. And they can make people more angry and paranoid. Um, and how about alcoholism? Um, I have a nephew whose mother constantly drinks and they believe that it caused her dementia and it only makes it worse and she won't stop. Yeah, no, that's, that's a huge problem. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have your nephew reach out and, you know, kind of help them with that. Um, the, the, that is very common and I'm seeing it more in people in their sixties, you know, if they've been drinking hard, you can't really diagnose mental illness or dementia until someone's been dry for six months, but it's like, well, if you got dementia, like I had one patient who I'm Episcopalian and Episcopalians like their wine, you know, at parties, not just at church. So this woman would drink eight glasses of wine because she was, you know, the priest's wife. And, you know, she was, she would be falling down drunk and then they'd take her to the hospital and she'd dry out. And she couldn't, she couldn't, you know, reason her way out of a paper bag, but because socially she sounded okay at other times, they're like, oh, we can't do anything. It was like, even they, they got neuropsych testing. They're like, no, oh, she doesn't really have, you know, she doesn't have capacity, but we, we can't do it. So, I, so well, with, with my mother-in-law, there was a, an event where the police came, actually mm-hmm. the fire department and the police, because mm-hmm. she called them so many times. And right. so they, they, they agreed to take her to the hospital for a 72-hour evaluation. And so while, when she was there, I, we were begging the doctor diagnose her with dementia and um he wouldn't do it and the next thing we know after 72 hours i says do not release her back to her home she has to go into a facility we've got a place it's reserved Uh, and behind our backs he released her back to the home yep and i says why did you do that if someone is physically unable to return to the home he can tell them that you cannot go back home well he's not right he cannot do you can right. tell if a person, if they're mentally Cogl- unable right. to cognitive. So, yeah. so what? So basically what they're, they're wrong. They're, they're wrong about that. That um, what you need to do. So particularly in California, I mean, they, there's a lot of um, individual rights, but someone has to show that they can't provide food, clothing, shelter before APS adult protective services will even step up. And then to put someone where they don't want to be or give them psych meds when they don't want to have it, you need to get them conserved. So you would, um, what, what I would do if I was working with you guys, I would go in and I would do an assessment. And then there's this thing called a capacity declaration and, and you know, doctors, I guess, 
get a little allergic to doing those, but I do that. And, and what you can say is, you know, if you're not exactly sure, you can say that they seem pretty apathetic or they seem really too angry or too anxious. Um, and then you put it in front of a judge. And then the judge decides whether that person has the capacity or not. So I think a lot of people in medicine just don't want to deal with it at all. But, but as you found out, I mean, I've seen many families who've been really stuck where, you know, the, the daughter goes with the, the angry, paranoid mother who doesn't want to do anything and won't let anyone else but the daughter take care of her. So the daughter's given up her life for five years to live with her mother. No help, no nothing, no follow up. And it's, it's heartbreaking. So you need to have someone do the capacity declaration, find an elder law attorney, and then go in front of the court and then have the, the judge decide. And if the judge decides, then you can give them some medication and then you can place them. Now, I'm currently dealing with my aunt, which is my mother's sister place. who has uh-huh. dementia, uh-huh. number three. <laughs> and so um, we were called, she's in an independent living facility. Okay. Uh, you have your own apartment, you know, no yep. meals or anything. And they were concerned. They called us up. They says, your aunt is here and she doesn't know how to fill out a check. And she's talking like crazy. And she was really confused. Of course, she wasn't managing her meds. Mm-hmm. And so that could have been uh, part of the reason. Anyway, she was part of Kaiser and Kaiser was very happy to give her a dementia um, assessment mm-hmm. to my surprise. Mm-hmm. And they actually did. They gave her the test and she, I said, she definitely has dementia because, you know, she doesn't know uh, her boyfriend's name. She doesn't know the president's name. She doesn't, you know, she, she definitely has some memory issues. Right. And so we got her, um, I found out just recently that she'd been seeing this guy at her place and she's 84 and the guy is 87 mm-hmm. and you know, they've been doing stuff and, and my aunt is a good Christian woman. Yeah. And so um, they've been living together. She's been, she left her apartment on, in another building in the complex empty, paying rent and she's been living with him. And so um, they wanted to evict her because he says, if you, mm. you got to be living with somebody in an independent facility, you know, she has to leave. And we came to the conclusion, you know, these, they're in love. They want to get married, but we told them they can't get married because of social security and pensions and this and that. But um, he's taking care of her. Now he does, he's not the sh- sharpest tool in the shed. Mm. He has some memory problems, mm. but I gave him the same test that I, that they gave me, you know, right. he knows who the president is. He knows what city he's in. He just forgets a little. So I think he's okay. So, and so it would cost a fortune to, re- to pay somebody to do what he does. He's loving her. Right. Uh, he's, I put the pills in the box. He manages her meds. Right. He's a health nut. He, he's got her eating right. He's got him doing this um, uh, exercise machine. And so um, we got lucky. So in December, when it's when the rent, uh, when the lease is up, we're going to give up her apartment. She's just going to officially move in with him. She's been with him for a year. And so because he's watching over her and he's not dementia uh they're allowing them to stay there that's that's a wonderful love story i um you know two things go through my mind one i would just a make sure that you or a third party um are involved with her finances my sister does that uh she had to take over that because that was getting a little sloppy the bank 
called and says, you know, she comes down here like every week and she wants like a thousand dollars. Right. So we immediately control that. She gets two hundred dollars a month now. Good. My sister takes care of all of that because she's got a lot of pensions from her ex-husband, not her ex-husband, but her her deceased husband. So the other thing that goes through my mind is, you know, this guy's not a spring chicken. And (laughs) it's as you know, caregiver Dave, um, it's hard taking care of someone else. So if she has some funds, I think some should go to him to help around the house, either, you know, with housekeeping or meals or, you know. Well, he has a son who gives him money. So and I hear that. I I mean, I'm just saying just in general, I'm not saying you. Yeah. When they move in, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, they they are living together. Yeah. And um, uh, the son wanted uh, her to pay half rent. And she says, well, she's already paying full rent at her place. In December, she'll be happy to pay half rent, you know, because that's only fair. Right, right. So, you know, the other thing that I often see is, you know, the one person who lives next to mom of all the adult children, you know, can get left taking care of mom all the time. And it it sounds like you've had your hands full with, you know, relatives uh, that were close. And so far, she's pretty low maintenance because my sister takes care of the finances. I take care of all the medical. We got her out of Kaiser because it's just too far away to travel. Okay. Now she has a doctor very close by. So I take her to all her doctor appointments. And my sister takes her to all the financial stuff. And, 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 and he's doing great. a great job. I mean, right. and he's, he's, he's not demented and uh, he's, he's sharper than she is. And, you know, I, now that the meds are being managed, um, I think she's getting better. Maybe some of it was uh, drug related, you know. I bet. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. It has a terrible saying, memory. I'm just saying just in general, you know, I always want to make sure that the, the one person that is there, right. you know, boots on the ground, uh, gets breaks and gets support as well. well and absolutely. I hear that the son is doing that, but just that that's all. Not a problem. Yeah. Well, listen, we've come to the end of our time. Oh, time no. sure flies when you're having fun. Uh, how can our listeners reach you? And uh, get a hold of your book, et cetera. Well, there's drlizgeriatrics.com. Um, we have the website. We have the training modules. We have, which are still in development, we have telehealth uh, for a geriatric assessment, uh, gerontologist, care manager. And then I've got my book um, that you can find on Amazon. It's Living in the Moment, Overcoming Challenges and Finding Moments of Joy. Um, I appreciate what you do to help um, get the word out. And, you know, what the things I want to work on are treating pain, taking care of undiagnosed dementia, treating agitation uh, without Ativan and Xanax, and helping families figure out what to do about the medications and all. Well, thank you again. Uh, Remember, everybody, that all our live shows become recorded podcasts on all your favorite platforms. You can purchase my new number one newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, a great book that's changing lives all over the world. And it's available wherever books are sold and my website, caregiverdave.com, which is a free membership website support community with lots of tools and resources and free gifts. And check out my Facebook page, Caregiver Dave, a community of 34,000 caregivers. And if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So thanks again, all my listeners out there all over the world for making us the number one caregiver podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you. I'm Dave Nassani. My fourth book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, 
is a number one bestseller on Amazon. As a young boy, I was told I possessed an unusual amount of wisdom for my age. As a young man, I found myself counseling friends and older family members whenever they needed answers to their problems. Then at 21, I read the Bible for the very first time and learned how King Solomon asked God for wisdom instead of riches, yet he received both. I was so impressed that I too asked God for wisdom. Soon after, I discovered when lying on my hammock, I would receive wisdom from God. This book is the result of my passion to share with the world wisdom's tremendous benefits. Join me as I reveal practical aspects of wisdom for the mind, body, and spirit. 31 lessons I learned from God that can change your life. Available in hardcover, audible, Kindle, and paperback, wherever books are sold. I've spoken all over the country and London, and am available to speak at your event. Contact me at hammockwisdom.com. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh. 